What is up, everybody? My name is Kid Icarus, and this is my podcast. My guest today is a rapper out of L.A., California. You can find his self-titled album, The Bad Influence, on Spotify. His most recent music video on YouTube is The Damaged Goods. He has a few other songs out there on YouTube. Uh, Please welcome The Bad Influence. Alright, so we are now recording. Um, so, first off, yo, how you been? How's your week been? You been doing anything this week? Any yeah. shows? Any uh, any uh, music getting made? Not not uh, shows in particular, but yeah, man, luckily I've been uh, focusing on some features. I'm working with uh, Onyx, uh, Fragile Star okay. from Onyx. I have him on a song that actually put me out because I have this collaboration with this group called COD, which is like a couple other artists from... Um, uh, Texas, uh, Seattle, uh, shit, kind of like East Coast. So all these artists kind of like come down. So these cats, you know, they recruited me. Some dude named O.C. the the general. He's like an older, old school rapper, and he put me on some tracks for about like a year now. Mm-hmm. And then recently, he's wanted to hit me up with some like tracks with the uh, Daniels like Chino XL, Bishop Lamont, uh, Fragile Star. Okay. So. Once they sent them my way, I just got busy. Yeah, some pretty big names and stuff. How did yeah. you get uh, in touch with uh, COD? Uh, honestly, ironically, like back three, four years ago, mm-hmm. um, the Yoshinoya by my area, there's this one cat who I used to go there all the time and we used to chop it up. His mm-hmm. name's Dreamer. He's a rapper. And he's the one that always tell me, yo, I'm part of this group called COD. Okay. So then we kept in contact and then dude moved out to Texas about two years back. Mm-hmm. So then... What's, what's the trip is that I've been rapping for like maybe I want to say like 12 years but yeah. I didn't take it serious till like two years ago like when yeah. I actually was like I'm gonna do it but before that I never did it I was like I, okay. like, I do it for fun you feel me like with the homies and yeah. we're drinking you know you smoke up whatever but I never took it like I'm gonna be a rapper I'm gonna be an artist mm-hmm. like, it's pretty it's like a difficult fucking industry to break into and yeah. on top of that there's like a lot of good artists out there so yeah i was specifically gonna ask that how long you've been doing it because it it does uh like if you go to your spotify it's about two years ago that you started yeah putting stuff out yeah um so that was uh the start of your actual writing and recording was swole was that the first single you released yeah that was actually yeah actually my very first one that i released was on youtube called real talk and that one has more of a a vocal harmonical flow because it speaks about um like how you know we don't have money but one day we will and when mm-hmm. i do you know it's just that, like my visions my dreams about it whatever so then that's the first song on for your album right yeah real talk yeah yeah and what's the trip is that you know that whole album and everything i never like really done that album before i never really even knew how to pull them together so every day i just kind of like jot down what i have and i you know i use my notepad on my phone or whatever and i yeah. just get stuff going and it wasn't until um, a homie that I was cool with uh, was like, yo, you should come to the studio. So I started going and I realized that some people, you know, every artist works a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to the studio, I'm probably there for about two to four hours. And anyone okay. that's in the studio with me at that time knows that I work crazy. My, my ethic is, is insane because I don't... I don't knock off less than like three to four songs a session. Okay, yeah. So I don't like, I'm not one of those artists that usually take so long on one song. Yeah. So because of that reason, I have so many backed up. So when I started, um, 
I always put stuff on YouTube, and it wasn't until someone was like, yo, you should put something on Spotify or, or you know, uh, Pandora and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what, like an album? They're like, yeah, like an EP, an LP or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, you know what, fuck it. Let me just get 13 of, like, my good ones and put them together. Yeah. And that's what I did. But very honest with you, bro, um, it was, like, my first attempt at, at, at an album or anything. So, mm-hmm. like, what I'm got worked up now for the next couple months is going to be very fucking different and more okay more like focused more precise yeah Yeah, exactly you know because on the mother on that album it was just basically like my my day to days my reflection on certain you know situations Mm -hmm. stuff in my life but it wasn't like so much of me being like okay I'm like an artist I'm gonna come in here you know dominating whereas now I'm taking it a lot more serious and I've been blessed to to come across good people Uh, as a matter of fact when I met you at the show Mm -hmm. in, in East Los um, Boyle Highs, that's where I met MC Wicks, and I, okay, yeah. uh, the indigenous cats were there, yeah. um, Merrill's Hill, which is my boy B, oh, shout out to B if you've seen this, or you've seen this. Um, and the other ones that, you know, um, like I said, you know, it's like that energy, you feel me, like you yeah. kind of call it, so, man, my hair's even getting up with the fucking, like, yeah. you know, how much of the passion I feel for this, but, yeah, homie, not to, not to you know, ramble out. Yeah, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's good, you keep rambling all you want, um, yeah, so, I, I like the idea that, like, I think that, um, a lot of people, when they make albums, do that approach that you had the first time, which is just collection of songs. And it sounds like the next one's going to be a complete project, one that's like more focused, more connected. And I, I like that. I love when an album is um, put together, like all the tracks fit together. You know, yeah. um, that that's what makes me a big fan of like Kanye and J Cole. Like each of them, like. You can pick one album, and a song off of College Dropout would not sound right on any of his other albums. It would not fit on Yeezus at yeah, all, you yeah, know? that's you, true. Um, and same thing with J. Cole. If you take a song off K.O.D. and try to put it on Forest Hills Drive, it's going to be like, oh, this feels out of place. Yeah, it's very different, um, you know? So I like that process of going into an album and being like, this is going to be an album that's put together yeah. and everything. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really what it is. It's like I... I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go a certain route. Mm-hmm. So the route that it's going on now is kind of taking a life of its own where, like, yeah. I'm, I'm being blessed to, to start getting in contact with people to work on more stuff. So it's, like, more and more exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. And as, as time goes on, it just makes me, like, fall in love with them more and more and more. You feel me? So yeah. what you said is completely true because I believe, like, when they, like when Kanye did that college dropout, it was definitely, like, a reflection of that time, you know, when he mm-hmm. was still, like, trying to, to prove himself. Yeah. You can feel in that album that he, you know, he was like really, really, you know, starting to develop something new, you know, like yeah. he was bringing all this other fucking music out where now you could tell he's already established. So now he just kind of uses it to kind of talk shit, you know, when he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm fucking pissed. Like what he did with, with the game, um, with Easy, the, the song, uh, Kanye with the game where he's like dissing, uh, Pete Davidson. Oh, I haven't, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I haven't heard his exactly. new stuff. I've actually kind of um, stayed away since uh, Jesus is King. Oh, like, yeah. I've, I heard a few stuff off of Donda, which is all right, um, but haven't really followed much. Um, That's yeah, I, I mean, I like Jesus is King. Um, a lot of his stuff, actually, like, I hate it the first time I listen to it, yeah. you know, and then I'll go back and listen to it and be like, oh okay this is actually pretty good i just didn't really get it the first time because the first time i heard jesus is king i was like oh this is really bad and then i heard it again i was like okay and same thing with the album before it, the um yay 
Yeah, yeah, I heard it. I listened. It's only like seven tracks, so I ran through it in a day, and I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. And then I kept playing it, and I was like, oh, no, this is kind of a jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to kind of, like, take your time and, like, really listen, huh, and just kind of, like, reflect. Yeah. I get you. Um, Yeah, with Kanye having, like, kept up so much like that, but it wasn't until that song that I think I seen, like, a real... And it was like an animated version of him, like killing Pete Davidson. Yeah. So it caught my attention, and that's that's actually where my name, the whole the bad influence, starts to come to play because um, it wasn't a name I gave myself. Mm-hmm. Like as a matter of fact, I never really, like I said, like thought about doing stuff like this. Yeah. Um, but since I was a kid, I, I'd be that one friend that uh, my mom's homegirls will tell the kids oh don't chill with him he's a bad influence so yeah. every time you're around him you do something bad or you're gonna get in trouble mm-hmm. and as i got older you know i would think okay that'll go away right because i'm a father i have you know a wife i'm you know i'm like very focused on work and music and stuff so i don't party and go out as much yeah but for some reason when i come around my homies or we kick it it's like this energy happens and we just get into some kind of thing yeah so now they're girls their wives, you know, and they're always like, oh, tell the same thing. Yeah, you chill with Indio. Nah, if it was a bad influence, that's a bad. So, yeah, it wasn't until one day they're like, yo, what are you gonna go by? You know, because my name's Indio. And um, I was like, well, you know, I'll probably go self title, whatever, you know, by Indio. And then someone's like, nah, you should stick with what they call you. Like, I like that, the bad influence. You know, it's, it's pretty dope. So then yeah. I started really focusing on that. And then I ended up making my logo, which is this right here, which is like the okay. kid yeah. holding a gun on his head. Because that's basically what it was. It wasn't like promoting like suicide. It'd be like, oh, like, kill yourself or stuff like that. It's like, um, in this world, I believe you can be driven to a point where you can think about like, oh, I want to call it quits type shit, but you never go through it. So no one ever captures that essence of what it looks like when someone's thinking about it. You yeah. Know? Like not where they've done it or they're going to do it, but where they're, for one minute, you're like, damn, this world's driven me insane. So, you know, fuck, like, you know, it's one of them thoughts. But then you start realizing that when you overcome that, it just makes you more stronger. Mm-hmm. So then from there, I started kind of like, okay, well, I want my stuff to be controversial, controversial. You know, I want to like spark, you know, like some kind of like thought in people's head. I want them to get to think. So that's kind of what like what I mentioned was like when I started the first album or the first songs, I did really more reflect on um, what happens in the streets, what I've been through, the justice system, you know, betrayal with homies, close people, family members, death in the family, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Um, real personal stuff whereas now I'm starting to have more fun and play with it and now okay. I'm starting to be more like you know like like you know having good times fucking with stuff still you know some serious issues you know um, there's actually a song that I'm working on that might well that I've already done I'm just waiting on the other um, half which is the, the business side to like kind of agree with it and if it goes well then mm-hmm. we'll have a music video and come out but it's definitely in my spark some controversy but. yeah uh, what <laughs> If you have a criticism of general society, what would it be? What, what, do, you, what do you think is a uh, view that you have that is, like you said, controversial that would m- make people mad that you think the, they're doing wrong? Yeah, the one thing I don't like is the world's too sensitive. I think they're okay. way too fucking sensitive. Yeah. These kids, these generations, and it's, I mean, even the older heads, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be like... But they're way too sensitive. I mean, what they see, what they say, the school words, the marks, um, even the pronouns and stuff. Man, I got, I got a gay brother. I have, um, you know, people like that in my life, so it's like nothing to him. And I tell him all the time, like we talk about it. And he's like, oh, like it's him, he stuff like that. I'm like, look, I don't, I don't like hate why you're saying it or, or what's going on and get it. What I don't like is that you get offended if they don't call you that way. Yeah. 
and you can't get offended, you feel me, because some people are brought up a certain way, so then that brings on that, that social issue of, like, today's generation is, like, they want to change everything, I mean, like, I mean, I grew up to Andrew Jemima, now it's at the Pearls Millen Company, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up to the Washington Redskins, now it's the Washington team, Yeah. so it's, like, not hating on it, where it's, like, okay, I don't understand why they changed it, but it's, like, I understand change in process, but you can't get offended, like, mm-hmm. you know, you understand like you can't be so easily offended by everybody or else you're gonna make a generation of kids that instead of defending themselves and being these strong you know dudes that will stand ground and battle or win yeah. that are gonna you know go head on with with you know problems they're gonna think that someone around them is just gonna stop and you know basically cover them in a bubble wrap and you yeah know, keep them like you know all safe and protected yeah it's and, the you know, it's the rise of anxiety in our society you know yeah. tons of people on xanax and stuff because they think everything's supposed to be safe. Yes. Everything's supposed to be okay. Yeah, um, that's, and that's, that's a fucked up problem right there with the world. And I'm a father, yeah. bro. You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. I, I have a kid. He's eight years old. And I got a newborn baby. So I teach my son all the time. It's not like something that I'm like, I'm not just saying, but as a parent. Yeah. As like being through the system, myself also, the justice system, being a convicted felon, um, having stuff in my life. You start realizing, okay, if I saw the world like that, yeah. can, can you imagine how, like, no offense, but I wouldn't be a sensitive little bitch, homie. Like, I'm, I'm a fucking man, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, I have kids and I have to show them because, you know, when you come across something that's really vicious and evil in this world, um, my kid one time told me, he's like, yo, do monsters exist? I'm like, yeah, they do. Yeah. He was like, oh, for real? like under the bed and, you know, like the boogeyman stuff. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'm like, they look like you and me. He's like, yeah. but you wouldn't even know they're monsters, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, what? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've seen some heinous stuff, some deviant stuff. I've, unfortunately, you know, some bad stuff has happened around me and good people that didn't deserve it. Um, whether it's, you know, you're, you're, we're Latinos, right? So one thing that, that, that really isn't spoken for, and I've mentioned in some songs, is it sucks how a lot of girls in our in our thing get raped at such a young age or yeah. molested at a young age, you know, and it'll be by like their uncles or their, mm-hmm. and it's like very, very common. I mean, yeah. it's one of them things that people are like, oh yeah, I've heard about it, but I swear to God, if you have a, a, a cousin, a female or a friend or a girlfriend or a homegirl, at least them or someone they know has yeah. been a victim, you mm-hmm. know, at some point and you're, and they're so normalized by it that, that now they're like, you know, desensitized. So by the time mm-hmm. You, you reach them and they approach them they're like oh you know it's cool I got over it whatever it's, but you know deep down they're like scarred by it you yeah. know it gives them trust issues where they're walking they're looking behind their back you know they're doing stuff so that's where, I, where it comes back into that um, can be sensitive you gotta yeah. be on it you know like, yeah you cause be those on. are the real dangers that are going on it's real I mean uh, it exists like and, and also random shit in the streets um, I remember one time some guy back in 2011 I went to go see one of my homies at his court case and it trips me out because as I was, he got sentenced to five years at that time. So I was devastated. I went into court, saw his mom crying, saw his sister crying. I showed mm-hmm. up. I was one of the only homies that was there. You know, people are like, we're your friend. But when you get locked up, when you're in jail, when you're really in the system, you find out who really is your friend, who's mm-hmm. putting money in your books, who's visiting you, who's checking in on you, who's calling your family, who's there for you. Did that for my homie, which was like my brother to me. And as I'm walking down to the train station, uh, the metro station, the civic center, right in downtown, Sitting down, minding my business at a bus. I mean, I'm literally in my own world, right? I'm just like, damn, my homie's getting whatever. And they see, I know, there's this, like, crazy-ass, cracked-out dude just kind of scoping around me, you know? And I'm just like, okay, you know, like, whatever's not paying so much attention. And my brother was with me. He's like, yo, like, like that guy's just looking at us. I'm like, oh, man, don't mind him, whatever. So we're right here chopping it up. Next thing I know, he comes out of nowhere, and he swings a machete to me. Like, he just swings it. I just, like, jump out of nowhere. I'm like, what the fuck? 
do not know who this guy is. Never met him. I never seen him. Didn't even exchange a word. But he saw me. I don't know what he was on. And he just brought out a machete and put it on me. And I jumped back. I tried to kick him off. And he put this weird smile, walked away, and went to go hide behind one of the posts, had a backpack. And then when I was walking away, it's like he'll try to see if I wasn't looking to try to come back at me. So much that I had to like get back and be like, yo, you know, like from one second or another, I was like my own world, minding my business to some random dude trying to stab me in the metro station. Yeah. I don't know why. I have no idea. Even up to this day, I really don't know whatever happened. Um, at that time, I think I was like 18. So I was like, what the fuck? I was still a kid. I was still learning. I was like, yo, what the fuck? And then he got on the first train that came. He just saw me, put a weird smile, and got on the train and booked it. Don't know why. Don't know what's up. Yeah, that's crazy. That experience has always kept me to be like, it's a trip that even if you really like you know we could just be here chilling but if mm-hmm. someone just having a bad day and they see you they'll just choose you you know yeah and that's what i tell my kids like this is why i need you to be strong because that person doesn't care what your pronouns are that person doesn't yeah. care if you're sensitive that person doesn't care if you're a good person mm-hmm. that person just wants to fuck you up and yep. they don't care why or don't need a reason to you know yeah when you start being more real about it you can do one or two. You can be afraid and be like, oh, shit, the world's a scary place. Or you can, you know, realize, okay, I just got to watch out for these fools. And know how to protect yourself and, you know, be mm-hmm. smart and vigilant and be very aware of your surroundings more than anything. So, I mean, you get me? I speak out of, like, real, that this is real yeah. stuff, reality, you feel me? Things like that. Yeah. So. Um, I I went down this um, YouTube rabbit hole lately of these um, just disturbing videos. And uh, sometimes it's stuff like, oh, this person keeps dead bodies in his house as like human dolls and it's like okay that's creepy but like he dug him up like it's not like he's a murderer or nothing sometimes though like it'll just be ring doorbell videos yeah of people just random people like somebody will be coming home open their door and somebody will run up and follow them into their house yeah, yeah um that's true or it, like random attacks just just happen and it is the case where like no connection. The person had no connection to this attacker. They just saw somebody who they thought was weak and was like, well, I'll take advantage of this opportunity that yeah, is exactly. presented to me. Um, and that's that's why it's important to be strong instead of safe. It's much better to be strong in a dangerous situation than safe and then possibly fall into yeah, a dangerous yeah, situation. Exactly. No, that's very true. Um, I'm, a, I'm actually, you know, what's the trip is that Aside of like my love for music, whatever, I have a big passion for guns. Okay, right? yeah. I love the Second Amendment, right to bear mm-hmm. arms. Even though they took my right away, so I'm not allowed to bear yeah. arms. Um, but prior to that, or regardless, I would always go to the shooting range. And I actually like learned how to use a gun. So I wasn't like one of them cats that oh, I grew up with guns. I know how to use guns. Nah, yeah. I'm going to be real with you. As a matter of fact, guns were around me my whole life. And it wasn't until I was like 19 that I picked up my first one and shot it and wasn't even in a dumb way it wasn't like i killed anybody but i was curious i was like how do i use it so yeah. one of my buddies who was in the marines was like yo if you want we'll go to the shooting range and i'll teach you okay i'm down so we went i went with my girl too and then you know it was straight up off the bat like you know what's up no okay here's a dummy round i'm gonna show you how to how to if it gets jammed how to unjam it how mm-hmm. to load it what you do how to have your gun your finger and everything so when I went, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I started, you know, hit the targets. Like, everybody else, I'm learning. I hit my gun back because, you know, when it shoots, I don't know if you ever shot. I, yeah. All right, there you go. So, I used the Glock 22, Glock 17, okay. uh, Beretta 45, uh, Smith & Westerns, um, and I've even shot a semi-automatic AK-47. Okay, so, yeah. So, uh, full metal jacket, you know, just da, 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 da. Because even though you want automatic in California, they don't 
you know, yeah. the semi-automatic. So, anyways, long story short, just to not get too ahead, it's um, fell in love with it. I saw yeah. it as a stress reliever so much that on weekends, me and my wife would both go spend about two hours there, then go have some lunch, you know, and it became like a sport to us mm-hmm. because we felt my life has actually been in a position where I can, I have and can come across cops that I can tell are waiting for me to fuck up yeah. and maybe use that as an excuse to put me down like a dog. So what I told my wife was I'm afraid for my life mm-hmm. and what I want to do is be able to overpower anybody that ever has a gun towards me. Yeah. Not just because I want to overpower them because if I don't know how to use a gun, I'm fucked, you know, mm-hmm. so are you, you know, her being my wife and us having kids. So we know how to use guns very well. Um, my boy was eight years old. I'm actually getting him in the position to learn. Yeah. And people out there might be like, well, that's wrong to teach a kid about guns. But as you can tell, and as everybody clearly knows, we live in a world where somebody can go up to school and kill these kids. Yeah. I mean, and it's fucking horrible. That's the kind of monsters that I, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were just saying, the predators that go into. I've seen the, the ring doorbells where, like, some people yeah. open for a delivery. It's like, oh, delivery, okay, like, sign. Oh, yeah, you got to sign. As soon as they open it, like, he rushes in and a whole group of people rush yep. in. And you hear that the kids got shot or parents, you know, mm-hmm. going to the hospital. So I told my kid, look, if I want you to use a gun, more importantly, I want to be the one to teach him. I yeah. mean, I don't want his fucking friends or, or some other idiot being like, oh, yeah. I'm going to use a gun and, like, show him the wrong way. And my kid get himself killed or, God forbid, kill somebody else and life behind bars. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Game over for him. So... Those are the things that, that I believe that if, if you're, I believe that instead of like teaching kids that guns aren't, aren't safe or that whole like, oh, we should ban guns. It's like, yeah. no, you should teach your kids about these things. You know, if, yeah. if you teach them what's up, if you teach them this and To that, respect them. Exactly. And yeah. you understand that, that it's not the gun, it's the person behind it. Because a yeah. gun is like a device. You it's feel a me? Tool. It's just there. Yeah. Like, let's, you know, this microphone's there and if someone comes and gets you, beats you to death with it, it's a weapon. Yeah. You know, it's, it's literally how the person perceives it and what they've like taught how to use and how to be, you know, smart with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I am with, with about guns with music with stuff like that i mean i am how i am and i've been through stuff but i believe I, at a point i am in my life i just hit 30 uh, in november so it took me a minute to get to where i'm at and i'm very proud of it because i used to always wonder why you know i used to always be like why has this happened to me like mm-hmm. i used to be one of the people that i felt like the world was after me or attacked me or things didn't go my way and i felt like someone wished it bad on me you know mm-hmm. there's times where i somewhat believe that part at least where like people do wish bad for you because envy is real jealousy is real Mm -hmm. sometimes someone right next to you you know you want to achieve this dream and they want it so bad but they don't know how to get it that they don't want you to have it so they call for you to not even have it because they don't know how to even get started on it yeah like when someone's drowning and you go to save them and they just end up pulling Pulling you down down. exactly you know that's exactly what it is and i just remember uh being like okay what's going on with this but now it's time's gone on now i'm like okay all of these things happen for a reason and every time i've figure something out instead of feeling it like a bad way or taking that as something bad i've learned to put it into my music or yeah. to pass it to my son or mm-hmm. even like right now as we're speaking normally you know i mean i know this is a podcast all that but see like it's mm-hmm. not even so much about the music only it's about like what we're talking about because yeah. at the end of the day i'm not in this shit to get rich or famous like mm-hmm. i'm not doing this for cloud for nothing like that i mean it's it's not it's hard to break into this this industry as yeah. an artist as it is but when you're doing i believe music like what we do where it's that underground that real that raw that like storytelling some shit that people don't even want to listen to because they're like yo i don't want to feel dark i want to be happy or this and yeah. that that's those are those things that i believe it's like more harder because you're tackling issues that nobody wants to talk about you're mm-hmm. doing that stuff that people aren't doing and so it makes you seem more like 
I don't know. Should we listen to this guy? Should we not? Should we see? Especially you know when when they see how you look or or you know what you're repping or the way you dress or stuff. They're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, this guy can be just like everybody else, you know. But yeah. You start realizing that when you're um, when you're more true to yourself, you become more free and you really start becoming more like you know you accept everything as it is. Yeah. So you accept yourself, and then the world either has to accept you or they can fuck off, you know. But yeah. you're not gonna change yourself for them, you know. So. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Yeah, um, I I don't own any guns. I got a lot of friends who do. We just went out shooting a couple months ago, um, and it was man, it was a blast. We we ended up somebody brought oxygen tanks, oh, uh, which I did not know explode when you shoot them. I thought they would like explode as in, but like they're air. So I was like, there's there's not gonna be a fireball, but <laughs> no, there's a. Pressure. There is a huge fireball, um, and it was it was kind of terrifying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel the same way. Where like I I actually think it's so strange that like there's a big group of um, like feminist act activists that talk about how scary it is to be a woman walking alone, but those same people will be anti-gun like ban guns when it's like well if you want them to feel safer give them a gun yeah exactly because it doesn't matter how small you can be a 90 pound woman if a man attacks you and you have a gun well he's not gonna stand up to the bullet he'll stand up to any punch you throw at him no matter how hard you fight if you're a 90 pound 5 foot tall woman like you like can't fight him guy or yeah, guy, exactly. it's, yeah you can be a highly skilled fighter and still not have a chance against them just out of physicality but if you have a 22 like even like the the lowest caliber gun like it's a gun yeah like you're gonna so be a lot a safer yeah yeah. Exactly. yeah it's the great equalizer mm -hmm. um so i i think that that should be a feminist cause to get hands in the guns guns in the hands of women yeah, exactly. because like yeah they should be safer they they should have that freedom to be like yeah if anyone attacks me they're they're gonna die. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be a bigger risk for them. Um, that's that's one of the problems about having a safer society. Is like, well, it's also safe for monsters. Like they they feel safe because yeah. they know like no one's gonna fight back against them. The one thing I hate right now that you mentioned that exactly. Yeah. I believe that this society protects them more than it protects us in some yeah. aspects because back in uh, twenty. 10 i believe it was or 2011 around that same time there was this one teacher i don't know if you ever knew about it but this fucking sick motherfucker had these kids eating cookies with like his sperm on it yeah. and when he got caught he went to jail and got in protective custody oh yeah i mean yeah they didn't put this one public they didn't hang this fool they didn't even castrate this fool yeah which they should i believe you know that i really yeah. do believe in that um and and you see it happen over and over again like basically these guys know that they can attack women kids mm -hmm. and they're not going to get killed they're not going to get beat up they're going to yeah. go to jail and they're going to be put away from general population mm -hmm. because they know that real guys you know like myself and people you know like you and, and we know we'll fucking kill them you yeah. know we'll whoop their ass or give them you know life on you know, hell on earth type stuff but um yeah i really do believe exactly what you said is, is very true like it did it does make them feel safer because mm -hmm. that's one of the things that, that gets me more on edge you know and sometimes where i'm just like my girl's like i'm gonna head out and i'm like okay you got this with you yeah yeah i got this okay just be careful um and she's like well why you know and i'm like yo don't forget you know this happens this happened and one time it almost actually happened 
to her in front of me, you know, which was one of the most scariest things that I had um, been a part of. But we were doing Uber Eats, um, you know, delivery driving yeah. uh, about three years ago. So I was helping her out on her routes. I was driving. She was getting off, you know, delivering the food. We've been doing it for a while, so it didn't, like, seem any different or whatever. It was mm -hmm. daytime. Off of Hollywood and Highland, right across from, like, that bowling thing that they have right on Highland, there's, like, a bowling alley there called, I think, Hollywood Bowl or something like that. Mm -hmm. not, not, like, the performance, but, like, the literally yeah. alley. So right across, there's some apartment buildings. And as I pulled up in the alley, she's like, okay, I'm going to get off and do this. I'm like, cool, go ahead. So she got off and she went. And ironically, there was this white van in front of me. So I couldn't move. I couldn't go forward. So because of that reason, I had to back up. Bro, as soon as I backed up, I don't know. Somebody told me, look this way. I look this way. My girl's walking, and this cracked out white dude just starts running towards her. I mean, just running towards her. Put my car in fucking parking. Booked it out the car. Just yeah. fucking started chasing down. This other girl who was in front of the building, I guess she lived there, was about to enter. And I see that she turns back, and she's seeing my girl walking towards her. This guy chasing her and me chasing this guy. So mm -hmm. she's seeing it all about to unfold. Yeah. So she tells my girl, yo, watch out. My girl turns around and she sees this guy like about to get her. She's like, oh shit. And she sees me and I start screaming just so he knows I'm there. I'm like, yo, what's up, motherfucker? And as soon as he sees me, he starts booking. I start chasing. That girl tells my girl, man, you're so lucky that guy saw him because he was about to go. She's like, that's my husband. She's like, oh shit, where the fuck did he come out of? And she, she looked at me like, yo, what the fuck? I'm like, yo, you didn't see that? She's like, nah, she was so into her phone, like, what to do next, what were the instructions, she was so focused into just walking in, leaving the food, regular day in Hollywood, right here, you know, like, nothing. Yeah. If I would have not been there, or if I would have, like, driven around and not seen that, this guy could have done anything to my girl. Mm -hmm. He could have punched her, he could have took her food, he could have dropped her, I mean, you know, it's, it's those things where you don't know what he would have done exactly. Yeah. But the fact that he But it wasn't going to be good. I mean, yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't phase him about gun control. He didn't think there's cops. Mm -hmm. None of that shit that we think matters, matters at that moment. Yeah. At that moment, is that instinct, you know? And mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, they told me, fight or flight. It's one of them responses we have in our brains, you know? And as a human being, you know, you're either predator or prey at that moment. Yeah. And, and people forget that we still have animal instincts. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can't go on the world without eating you feel me which means like if there was no markets or groceries we'd probably kill each other for food same as an animal yeah you know so like when you're in the fucking wild the zebra it's not telling a lion hey yo you're not respecting my pronouns hey you're not respecting that i'm a zebra and i don't want beef with you that yeah. was like i'm hungry and you're dying and he's like oh shit i gotta bounce you know but then if you see zebras themselves they kill their own babies mm -hmm. like i don't know if you've ever seen that but a zebra will kill I, baby. I haven't seen it with zebras i've seen it with uh, like hedgehogs and stuff too possums birds of, yeah yeah um, birds yeah, yeah giraffes yeah they, they'll stomp out and uh what a zebra does more um sometimes it's a woman but it's a it's the male Mm -hmm. If he sees a woman, he does what like a grizzly does, where he'll kill the baby so she can, they can fuck, and he can yeah. have, you know, her. Yeah. Because they, in a psychological sense, they know that the mom's gonna be so devastated by her loss that she's willing to just get pregnant quick and have another one. Yeah. That's an animal I'm talking about. This is a mm -hmm. zebra. This is something that if you see on Discovery Channel, you're like, oh, it looks so cute, you know, oh, like poor animal. Like, no, these fuckers are vicious. You feel me? Like yeah. they're, it's it's all of us. It's in all of us i mean if you're breathing and your heart is beating and you're in this fucking world you have that instinct you're just mm -hmm. born with that impulse you know the only difference is that we have more of a conscious you know we're more a little bit controlled than obviously other species in this world but when it comes down to each other we forget that yeah you know? I, I there there is um a bit of a culture that says like well these these people need to be 
informed that what they're doing is wrong. And I think that's a mistake. Like, like people who are attacking other people, they're fully aware that they're doing something evil. Yeah. That's kind of the point. Like, they kind of like that. Exactly. And so, like, no, no amount of being like, hey, that's wrong is going to make them stop because they're like, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm a monster. Come on, now keep, keep being afraid of me. That's yeah. what I want. That's, that's their um, gasoline. That's their fuel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the best response to that is to, instead of being afraid, is to be like, oh, dude, you're a loser. Like, oh, you're taking advantage of a woman? Is it because you can't fight a man? That's probably why. You can't victimize a man, huh? Um, yeah, there, there's a... Anytime somebody treats vicious, evil people like they're, like they're scary instead of what they are, which is pathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't function in regular society, huh? Like Dahmer. You saw what happened with Dahmer, right? Yeah. Like, in his case, he made them... Um, he drugged these fools, mm-hmm. made them feel away, but in there, he got beat to death yeah. by a fucking man who was like, you did this to a boy. Mm-hmm. You know, his biggest anger, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure Netflix maybe, you know, dra- you know, added a little more drama, you know, yeah. than it was needed to, but it got to the point where he, the guy was like, you did this to a boy, like where he drilled his head and put acid in there or mm-hmm. some shit like that um, after drugging him up. And then the cops were like, oh, that's his boyfriend. And they just gave him back to him. Yeah. I was astonished. I'm like, whoa. One, I think we all know this. This wouldn't fly any other color if you were white. Like in that yeah. sense, right? And two, how the fuck does that even happen? Like, you know, in what position? And then he goes to jail. And in his mind, it's like, I did all this shit, but I'm a born again Christian. I got baptized in here. It's all washed stuff. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, the gates are open for me, all that stuff. So that's where I have that conflict with religion, where I'm like, I can't understand that. Like, I come from a from a very um, Catholic family, which is funny, but because I yeah. got the devil like right here. Oh yeah, like literally whispering, right? So yeah, my mom and everybody when when I got it, they looked at me like I was insane. Some of my family don't even talk to me anymore because of that. I don't care, but I see mm-hmm. them as some of the biggest hypocrites because they're some of the worst people in this world. But they believe that once they do bad, all they have to do is go on Sunday, ask for forgiveness, and it's all good. Yeah, I, that don't make sense to me. You can't do some heinous, heinous stuff in this world and still think that you can be forgiven just because you feel it and someone else thinks they have a higher power to tell you, okay, all is forgiven. It's like I believe in an eye for an eye, you know, yeah. like. That's kind of where I believe. It's like, if you killed somebody, then they should kill you. If you took somebody's life, they should take yours. You know, if you like, there's no way you can take their life and say that you're even because you're spending the rest of your life alive. You know, like, mm-hmm. they never get a chance to fully, you know, live. So it doesn't give you the same outcome, you know. So in this world, I don't know, man. I mean, the justice system and everything, it has the, the, the fundamentals of like why it has its purpose and what it's supposed to be doing here. But, we forget that as human beings we're a lot more complicated than that yeah i mean very complicated you know mm-hmm. just an example um when i was looking at two years in state prison um i knew i had done a mistake i know i had committed a crime i was very aware um of what i had done at the moment i wasn't fully there because i was going through so much and i was intoxicated um and at that point, I was in, in a very dark place in my life. You know, like my dad was dying from cancer. Um, shit was just going bad. Uh, got into like a car accident and got fired from some shit. So I was like just mad, whatever, and want to go do my stuff. Uh, pandemic hit. So it helped me out because I was able to fight my case from out here. So mm-hmm. I got released, you know, but I was still going back and forth. They put my bell mount high. 
So I remember I was like always telling my girl, I was like, okay, you know what? If I go away, um, I'm willing to accept my mistakes. Like I did fuck up. I did yeah. do this. I didn't take anybody's life. I didn't hurt anybody, but I could have, which is why I lost my, my amendment. Um, but when that happened, I, it took me a minute to realize what my mistake was. Yeah. You know, it's, it really did. I, at first I was like, oh, maybe these fools are exaggerating, you know, because I got drunk and I basically shot into the air, you know, negligent. That's what I did, you know, and then, um, but I didn't kill anybody. But when I was going to jail and everything, when I went to jail and then when I got out and then my, my lawyer spoke to me, she's like, Hey, I need you to take these courses, these uh, classes, this and that. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm going to take them so they can help my sentencing so it looks good to the judge you yeah know, i'm not gonna bullshit you i was dead ass like i need to make look in front of the judge because mm-hmm. i cannot go away right now i got too much shit to do out here and this was before my music career so was, yeah. i wasn't even rapping like that yet and i just remember that i took this class i took some courses i took aa um no one likes to do that you know alcohol anonymous and um i was hearing stories and i heard about these these little kids that got killed because some guy got drunk and shot outside in the air um, yeah new year's eve he got excited he just went outside to shoot and one of the bullets came down and killed the kid who was in the room sleeping yeah so you know i started hearing about this stuff and i was like man i could have taken someone's life you know mm-hmm. like you know then it really hit me i was like well where did i shoot at and, I was, and it wasn't you know a, like a neighborhood and i was just like damn like i could have killed somebody so being a father and hearing the stuff i was like man how would i feel like we're just sleeping and my kid dies because some idiot just starts shooting his gun outside mm-hmm. and how here i am realizing i'm that idiot you know that i'm thinking about yeah so i am my own enemy my worst you know enemy at that moment i'm like okay so i started really feeling remorse and responsible at that moment i started feeling like okay yeah this i got you like you really like you're right it could have gone way worse i even told my lawyer because at first i was like you know like really like i didn't kill anyone though i didn't do anything like that and they were she was like yeah but understand that you could have understand that you know this and that understand that all of this made a difference and i was just like okay well i guess you know and then i would hear alcohol anonymous too i remember this girl um just talking about the story about how she would get drunk all the time so much to the point that on her son's birthday she got fucked up the day before and when she woke up she was so hungover she couldn't even do anything for her kid because she was just like oh, i'm hungover like not today not today yeah and it took her years until she finally stopped but that's one of those things that she shared with us that she felt like she did she let her son down that day you know she let him bad so i started realizing that when i fucked up it wasn't so much that i not only did i fuck up but i was letting my kid down yeah i was letting my son down because i was not i wasn't showing him the kind of man that i would want him to be as a matter of fact i wasn't even being the man that i wanted to be at that moment i was on a spiral there wasn't a day where i couldn't wake up bro and 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 not have a bottle of bucanas with me Um, yeah like the 350 or 750 and the 325 or 751 because um like i mentioned you know my dad did die from cancer he died from brain cancer uh when that shit happened it, it like it was like fast like the process was insane so it's like he was diagnosed in January and he died in October. Mm-hmm. They found stage four. By the time they found it, it was late. It was like glioblastoma. So it's like one of them silent killers that starts like around here. Yeah. By the time they find it, it's too late. It already spread through the whole brain, whatever. So I, I would, you know, be fucked up on a daily. And when, you know, shit started getting real and then my sentencing was coming up, I'll never forget that day because that was like, it was like the longest, one of the longest days of my life was about, think maybe seven hours of like 
going back in and out of the court mm-hmm. and, and taking that like little period because it was like a pre-trial i had gone to uh preliminary i had gone to my arrangement i had gone to you know everything and then when we were gonna go to trial and sentencing my lawyer that day she was like yo um you know we're gonna go in and we're gonna fight for this we're gonna fight for this so i was like okay you know like i'll uh you know like i'm ready you know i'm ready i'm ready so i told my girl you know what like if this is it um just take care of my boys out here make sure we're good make sure everything's straight i'll still you know be helping out as i can from in there so i remember because of the COVID, they couldn't be with me in the courtroom they couldn't be with me even in the in the fucking courthouse like they had to be outside waiting in the park which is right there in downtown like mm-hmm. by the city hall and all that stuff so I remember I went like there. Grand Park? That yeah, there you is. know where, like, Temple is? The Fitzgerald, the yeah. Superior Court? Yeah. Okay, that's where. I, yeah, that's... Well, we've all been there. You know that uh, I love I, I used to be a process server, so I used to go there, like, oh, every day. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's where I went. The Fitzgerald, the... Yeah, that one. Okay. So, um, yeah, so anyway, so long shows that when I went up there, the officer that arrested me, his name is Officer Watts. Now, I'm just going to share this because I'm going to show you how the system works. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, when I got arrested... He interviewed me. I remember that. I got arrested. I remember what happened. I remember being taken to the, the you know, fucking jail, the station. And he, you know, another thing too, man, is is if I can clarify and put it out there, don't get arrested. It's not yeah. fun. I mean, I don't care what these movies tell you, these things tell you, unless you like your, your dignity being taken away, it's not fun. Yeah. You know, there's nothing cool about being in there i can tell you from experience from my friends from my family and even my homies that call me there and my brothers that check on me and i check back and forth and we help each other it's not a place to be at you know you do not want to get butt naked for no fucking guys mm-hmm. you do not want to be put through that shit you don't want to not want to share with other men you don't want to be only with other guys i mean if that's your thing cool but i don't think that's the way you want to yeah. experience that you feel me so after I got put through that humiliating process, you know, making sure I had no contraband and stripping butt naked and all that shit, I got put into the interrogation room, whatever. They were arresting me, uh, processing me to CJ, to Central Jail. And this guy named Officer Watts interviews me. And I never, I never forget his name because I've always, uh, I was in, I lived in South Central for a minute. So out there, Watts stands for We Ain't Taking This Shit. So when I saw his name, Officer Watts, I was like, oh, that's what's up. We ain't taking this shit, you know? And he just kind of laughed about it. He's like, oh, that's what's up, you know? Yeah. So, he, you know, he pretended to be my homie, which the cops do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, hey, man, look, just what do you know? And I, I didn't fall into a trip, and I were homies, but I was so fed up with the situation that I was just like, look, man, yeah, I did it, you know? This and this and that would be real cool. When it all happened, I told them where I had the strap. And the reason why I'm sharing these parts of it is because... It's, it's important for you to realize that as truthful as you can be to the system, and I mean as honest as you can be at the moment you're arrested, I found out in the long run, none of that shit matters. Mm. Because when I told them everything and I was very honest and truthful, I didn't do it. I didn't want, I believe in the street code. So I ain't ran on nobody. Nobody went to jail for me. Nobody did nothing for me. Nobody did my time and nobody took any blame. As a matter of fact, I only got arrested because I took the blame. Yeah. Like shit, they were going to arrest the wrong person. Like literally, I could have just stayed quiet and they were arresting the wrong person. And I was just like, nah, I did it. I can't let that. I saw Apple's mom crying. I saw everybody there and they were like, oh, they're going to take that for the jail. Mm-hmm. I said, Apple won't make it in there. And so I was like, yo, I said, oh, leave Apple alone, dog. I did that shit, whatever. Oh, what'd you say? What'd you say? The cop all happy. Yeah, fool, I did that shit, whatever. It's like, you know, oh, all right, where's the strap, homie? It's in my car, fool. Like, just leave that fool alone already, fool. He ain't do nothing, like, whatever. So when I went to jail, that's what I told the cops. Yeah, I did it. I told the cop, this and this and that, cool. So in my eyes, he was like, okay, you know, you cooperated with me, this and this and that. Yeah, huh, all right, cool. All right. 
And then they let me out. I don't know, recognizance, and they put me back on the trial. Fast forward a year later, I hadn't seen this cop for one year. So I don't think he remembered what I looked like. Mm -hmm. So when I was outside of my courtroom, I happened to be sitting next to him. But he didn't know I was me. Yeah. He was there in his in his good, you know, like attire, his business suit, look, you know, good, not like a cop, you know, he's dressing professional and everything. With some other cops. Then this white lady comes out, this prosecutor, I never forget, she's a little short, fat bitch. I fucking hate this bitch. She comes out. None of them know that I'm there. They're literally going over a game plan to put me in jail right next to me, bro. Yeah. Falsifying everything that happened. And I'm right next to them hearing everything. Mm -hmm. She tells them, all right, so we go in there and tell the judge that this is how you found the gun. Tell the judge that he refused to do this. Tell the judge this and that. We need to get him in. So then it's a win. The prosecutors don't give a fuck if you're a hardworking individual who made a fucking mistake. They don't care if you're a provider. They don't care if you're a son, a brother, a father. They don't care. Mm -hmm. What they see is numbers and it helps their job. They want to report back to their boss with good numbers. They want to keep the money and cash flowing and the justice system. They want to move up to DA. This is a billions of dollars industry. I mean, I mean, private prisons exist. You know, GEO, that's a private prison. You know, they're, they're companies that they take government contracts. They build mm -hmm. facilities. They house these inmates. They provide the facility, the officers, the food and everything. But they're getting paid. Each inmate in there is paying them thousands of dollars to keep them because the taxpayer is paying them that money to keep us in there yeah. and out here. It's a fucking scheme. It's a fucked up system. So when I was there, you know, it's where I kind of got a glimpse of like the the, the way how, how fucked up the justice system really is on my end personally, where I saw that this cop who about a year back was in front of my face and I told him the truth and I was very honest, was right there with her on the same game plan. It'll be like, yeah, okay. They were going to say that they found the gun with good police work. Mm -hmm. I bullshitted them and they found the gun on their own that I was a bad guy that I resisted all this shit I was next to them the whole time and at that time I had uh, my, had to let my hair grow so I usually don't have it longer than maybe like a 3 or 4 so it was like a little afro kind of so yeah I was next to them they didn't even know that I was there and I was just sitting there listening to them Yeah. my lawyer happened to be uh, doing some paperwork on down on the office downstairs she was on the second floor I was on the third floor so she comes back up and they happen to go inside and something happened where like the judge had to delay my case by an hour or something like that. So then Officer Watts and her come back out and he starts telling her, hey, I gotta go. Like, I gotta go, I gotta go, you know, like I just can't, you know, stay here. I got some stuff to do. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna try to reschedule it for tomorrow. We'll do this shit tomorrow. So I'm hearing this, I'm like, God damn, I gotta come back tomorrow. Like, I just wanna get this over with. So then he leaves, 30 minutes later, my lawyer comes back, and she's like, okay, I'm going to talk to you know, him and see what happens. So she goes inside and comes back and tells me, hey, um, the prosecutor wants to reschedule this for tomorrow. So I was like, oh, yeah, like they're trying to nail me. Like they're you know, trying to find anything. So I'm like, so what are we going to do? I can't. Just, I have a busy day tomorrow. She's like, I'm, I'm going to push for this right now. We're going to do this now. She's like, but I'm going to be honest with you. That lady wants you in there. She's like, she does not want to negotiate. My lawyer... I send her a litigation package, which is where you know you know what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. But in case people don't know, it's basically where you get all your loved ones to send you good letters, speak on your behalf, classes you've taken, things that basically show the judge that you're trying to rehabilitate yourself mm -hmm. outside here as an individual, then to go through the system and be rehabilitated in there. You know? Yeah. Um, so she ignored everything. She was like, "No, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good." 
we go inside whatever's um she's telling the judge i want two i want two i want two and my lawyer's like my lawyer was a female she fucking amazing this fucking woman is godsend man she's uh, like middle eastern or something but fucking amazing lawyer i mean one of the best not even because like money can buy you the best type of stuff because i didn't have like money like that um i could have gone with a pd but he would have fucked me over like a public case mm-hmm. i went with her private she charged me a couple thousand but she was very straight up the whole time. She didn't guarantee nothing, nothing like that. She told the, the judge, hey, man, this guy, he's a good man. He's a father. He made a mistake. Um, you know, let's work something out here, whatever. So he was more flexible to the situation. He was more understanding. So he looked at me, looked at her. He's like, okay, let's come back from recess. Let's let's figure something out. So all right, go outside. I go outside, then she goes back in. So I wait, wait outside for like 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, cool. She comes back out. She starts talking to me. She's like, hey, so I got you something. But you may not like it, but this is going to be the best we're going to get. I'm like, okay, what's going on? She's like, okay, he's willing to give you two years probation um, with time served as credit, like credit for time served, uh, but you have to take the strike. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. You know, because, you know, you know the strike law. Yeah. That means if I do two more things, I'm gone for, for good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do have a strike on me. So I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, maybe this and that. It's like, look, like, like you know, we're, if we come back tomorrow, we push this to trial. There's a chance that this judge can change his mind. And then w- what I heard personally, the cops talk with the prosecutor and everything. Yeah, he didn't want to take that risk. Yeah, so I took that break. I had an hour to make up my mind. I went with my girl. We went around the the, the park, like you said, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I was like, what do I do? She's like, fuck, well, a strike, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but if I go, what if I lose? And if I go in, I'm, I mean, I'm still going to go away for some time. So we went back in. I was like, okay, I'll take the, the two-year probation. Yeah. So we went in, and, and luckily my lawyer got me that. But if it wasn't for that judge delaying the case for an hour, the Watts not being there, and my lawyer doing what she did, mm-hmm. I would have lost that for sure. Because I saw that even if, even though I was very truthful at that time, they had a whole different agenda ready for me because yeah. they didn't care or they didn't see me as a guy who made a mistake mm-hmm. which is why um, my music and stuff the only reason why I got so passionate about this is because these are real issues that I like to speak about and on my music when I speak about officers and stuff like that it's because I really do deal with these cops I really have seen them I really do go through this on a day to day I can drive out of here and they'll have me there for 30 minutes and they'll put me behind their car and they'll go through my car exaggerated hoping yeah. that they find one thing just to put me in there although i'm doing is doing music and i'm on my way back home mm-hmm. they don't care they don't see it that way you know and um i used to always be like oh well i look a certain way so it's like that but then that's where it comes out well you shouldn't be able to treat me a certain way if i look that way mm-hmm. i mean you know if you look a certain way i can't treat you like that what gives you the right to treat me like that well because yeah. i'm tatted because i'm bald because i do music because i've got a history cool but that's not who i am now you know what did you do in your past you know you weren't yeah. always a cop or you weren't always a teacher or you weren't always a principal or whatever you know you had everyone has history yeah the difference is that my skeletons ain't in the closet they're right here chilling with me on the on my sidelines you know that you see my my skeletons yeah there's a big um, there's a big venn diagram too between criminals and cops like it's the same people yeah. it's just different times and, the, and they're worse on me they got badges they got that you know some of them I have met some good cops who are really good people. Mm-hmm. My my PO, if you seen the shout out to him, <laughs> he's a good he's a good cop. Yeah. He actually has given me uh, good chances, good opportunities, and he's he embraces because he's a black dude. So he embraces the the culture. He embraces how we like you know we should unite and do better. And he always tells me just don't fuck up. You know I believe in you this and that. 
and that's a lot more than I could say that some of my own people or other people are doing for me, really, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I say, he's a cop. Not all of them are bad. But every barrel has its bad apples. Yeah. <laughs> every barrel, you know? So, that's all I'm saying. That's not every cop, but I do have fucked the police on me. So, as happened, I got cops, you know, like in my, my neighborhood. So oh, that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty nice one. Thank right, you. Right yeah, there. That's, yeah, that's my, my That's a lot of details for how small it is. Like, yeah. It looks, it looks my, very nice. Yeah, thank you. My boy, he's uh, my, my artist. He's the one that gets down with yeah. like, a very good cat. Yeah, and I, that's actually my neighborhood. Like, I actually lived there. I actually grew up there. Uh, we just happened to have the cops there and everything. But this is actually my street sign. All that. I went back there to take photos, like, scenic, and then I just collaged it. And he was like, fuck it, let me get to work. Right on. Right on, man. Well, that was um, a fantastic uh, podcast. We're, we're reaching the end of it, but I, I really enjoyed listening to these stories you got, man. Um, at the the last 10 minutes of the podcast, I always give an opportunity to the guests to um, shout out anybody who you think doesn't get enough recognition. I always say um, other musical artists or uh, visual artists or producers or even like small business owners that you know, restaurant owners, yeah. uh, spots that you frequent in your neighborhood that you're like, hey, check this out if you're ever around. Okay, well, definitely I give a shout out to uh, LV Recording. Um, them cats out in Hollywood, they gave me that opportunity that place that i needed to create um mm-hmm. as as an artist so i give them props uh, most definitely i worked with other places who were very unprofessional with these cats especially for what they charge studio time and, 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 and the engineers they have um, they're one of the best definitely around and they don't uh receive a lot of praise as they should but i won't be surprised if one day they blow up and people are like oh like lb you know because yeah. they deserve that um uh, Merrill's Hill, like I mentioned earlier, my boys from Merrill's yeah. Hill. Um, I know, I think you had B and them on here. Uh, yeah, I've had them on here. They, yeah. they were dope. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, dope. That, uh, Born Vet and, and, uh, and B. Uh, yeah, that show, that slang show with them and Warhead and Gmo. Yeah. Um, it was a fantastic show. Yeah, like, it really was. Front to back. Huh? Every, every artist was yeah. on point. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, who you just mentioned too, Gmo. Respects to him too. Yeah, right. Um, Gmo and, uh, in the cut which I think is like their brand or, or who he associates with, mm-hmm. um, they gave me my first show uh, last year. Okay. As a matter of fact, we're here in the city of Bell. So shout out to them too because um, I had never performed live and I was yeah. actually pretty nervous. And they saw me at some other place and they saw me joking around and came up to me because of my personality. Mm-hmm. And then they booked me like within 24 hours I was there performing and then they got me to perform more. So yeah. I give them a shout out because they got me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Of, like stage fright or going out there and really putting myself um, another person I give a shout out to is uh, you as well, man. I think you get oh, your flowers. But thank you. You doing this is uh, is very very dope, man. I mean, you this is sick. You get me? Like this is really dope. You I appreciate it, man. Uh, I mean, you gave me an opportunity to come out here, share my stories, share my voice, have yeah. a good time, be at a park. I mean, it doesn't really feel like an interview. It kind of feels like I just came out here to chill and that, with you. Yeah, that's cool. that's the way I just try to make it, it feel. <laughs> just have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I see it. I don't even feel it like like anything greater than that. I told my girl, yeah. so we're going. I'm gonna go to do some podcast. She's like, okay, like this early. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go see what's up. So, like, I appreciate you, you know, like waiting up for me and, and setting this up. You know, I know the timing and everything was off, but man, it happened. You feel me? Yeah, like, it, I, I, I just happened. Thank you so much for coming through. Uh, any any last shout outs before we close it up? Uh, shit, COD, uh, like I said, Fredjo and them for working with me. Just be on the lookout. If well, if you got me on YouTube. 
uh, Instagram. Oh yeah, that that reminds me. You have any shows coming up that people should um, come? Um, I was supposed through? to be performing, I think, on the eighth of February for okay. another podcast. I'm gonna be performing live and get interviewed. Okay. But as far as uh, live performances, they probably won't start till March. Okay. So I'll definitely be posting everything on my IG, YouTube, and stuff like that. But okay, music always. You know, All right. Always cool. Thank you so much for <laughs> sitting down. Have a good night, everybody.